What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. In business, it's almost inevitable that sometimes we're going to go through some rough patches. When you have an elite team, how do you grow and maintain this team through such difficult times? My name is CT. I'm co-founder of Engage Rocket. And today I have with me in the studio, Rhonda Davenport. She's the Chief People Officer at Kane Waters and Associates. And she's going to explore with us this question today. It's a real pleasure to have you with us on the show today, Rhonda. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, CT. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell us a little bit more about what Kane Waters uh, does and what you do as Chief People Officer there. We are primarily focused on uh, the dental industry and providing financial planning resources along with wealth management, accounting, and tax services to our clients. At Kane Waters, as you mentioned, I am the Chief People Officer, so I oversee the HR function within the firm. My primary initiatives are culture, of course, recruiting, as well as training and developing our great associates. I love how the first thing you said was culture, because I think that's something that everybody owns, like every single team leader, every single senior executive. But at the same time, there's someone who is that person who nudges everything along. So when you think about the culture of the organization, what do you think about and how would you describe it? can't really use words to describe the culture of Kane Waters. You almost have to feel it for yourself. That's why like when we're going through our interview process, we really try to have candidates come on site. All too often, I think employers really focus on utilizing the word culture, but they don't have the actions to back that up. And that resonates when you talk to their associates or their employees about what that really means. And so at Kane Waters, I, I am confident that in speaking w- with our folks, you would find that they genuinely feel appreciated and cared for. A lot of that stems from the tenure that we have within the organization. I think people feel safe and stable knowing that people have found a, a home more or less within our firm and can trust that people are going to be transparent with them. So you mentioned tenure. How long is the average tenure of an associate at Kane Waters? That's a hard question to answer because that number skewed a bit. I, we've got people that have been with our firm nearly 30 years, and that's quite a few that are at that 25 to 30 year mark. Then we also have another section of, of folks that have been there between that 10 to 15. And then you go to the opposite end of zero to three years, we experienced an abnormal amount of growth in 2020 during the COVID era, which is very interesting considering so many employers were laying off or doing furloughs during that time. So that new hire portion kind of skews the number a bit, but I would say on average, we've got about a seven-year tenure 
across the board here. That is quite long. And let's dive into that hiring surge during the pandemic a little bit. How, what was driving that? Because you, as you said, it was a time of extreme uncertainty for many businesses. I can't imagine that many people were wanting to go visit their dentists and the, the dental industry probably wasn't doing the best um, during that time as well. And of course, serving that industry would have been challenging for most upstream businesses. How did you guys end up in a spot where you were hiring more during that time? Uh, you're absolutely right. People couldn't go see their dentist during that time. So that created a lot of uncertainty for our clients, which caused them to reach out more. Our, our associates were working a ton of hours to make sure that they were able to service our clients and provide them with just a sense of, of security and and through that, we grew. We were our firm was seen as a subject matter expert amongst many, and with that, we needed people to support those efforts. So we did quite a bit of hiring. There was very limited turnover. Honestly, I, I can't actually think of anyone that really left for any other reason other than perhaps to take care of a family member or something like that. And part of that, I do believe, is because we created an environment where. Our associates felt safe and our communication was proactive and as transparent as possible with everyone during that time. And that radiated a bit. Associates communicated that with their friends and family. And I really think it got the word out about Kane Waters and, and made us more of an employer of, of choice during that time when so many weren't necessarily hiring. And how did the business actually turn around? Because during that time, I imagine that there'd be quite a number of distressed clients needing that financial advice that ne doesn't necessarily create a lot of financial security for the firm because you're not sure like how long those clients would, would continue. But yet there was that confidence enough and conviction that there was a need to expand hiring during that time. And this kind of goes back to that idea of maintaining elite teams because if the voluntary turnover during a time of crisis is low, that means that the team was working really hard together and at the same time accepting new entrants while the rest of many other companies were really struggling. So what was different at, at Kane Waters? Part of it was just really treating our associates the way we treat our clients. And that is through really just developing a good sense of trust and creating psychological safety from the beginning, making people feel like they, they are in a good place and that they can come forth and be vulnerable with any questions or concerns that they had. And that's what so many of our associates were experiencing from our clients. And then even on the HR side, we were experiencing from our associates. So it was really about taking the time to understand how they were feeling, their true questions and concerns, and going on that journey with them. And as a chief people officer, what did you do to garner this feedback? And your associates are probably spread out a little bit in multiple different locations. How do you keep a finger on the pulse of what's going on and advise the senior executives, the senior partners, what they need to be doing to drive the team through this uh, this very difficult time? 
with these teams, those are the, the senior leaders on those teams are the ones that need to be communicating with their people. That communication didn't really need to come from me or our partner group necessarily. The people really needed to hear from their direct managers. And with that, they were encouraged to be as transparent as they could, as I, I mentioned earlier, but to take the time to understand how their people were feeling, not just professionally, but personally, because there was so much going on and lives were just completely turned upside down with kids being at home and people becoming sick and trying to care for one another and the different CDC guidance and recommendations on isolation and, and all of those things just made for unforeseen struggles with people. And we really encouraged and coached and provided our managers with resources and tools to take those relationships to another level and show genuine empathy with regards to the situation as a whole. Rhonda, I'm going to probe you a little bit more on this front because even in the best of times, equipping managers and line managers is challenging to say the least from coming from HR. And many times, especially in a professional services context, people become managers, not because they're good managers. They, they become managers because they're really good individual contributors. And so there's no natural bias towards being equipped for regular day-to-day -day manager operations. Now you throw on a global pandemic on top of that with unprecedented situations, complete uncertainty across the board. How did you go about doing this? This, this sounds like a, a perfect storm of manager calamity rather than excellence. You have to keep in mind the managers, they themselves were experiencing all of this too. And so it, it was a lot of outreach and the exact same things that I was encouraging the managers to do, I was having to exhibit to them asking how are you personally, professionally, so that way they could understand it's just treating people how you would want to be treated in a situation like that. Well, it seems very simple. It, it was not that by any means, because again, trying to juggle the people piece and the work piece was a bit complicated, but it was a lot of long hours and I had to adjust communication styles based upon various individuals because people handle these things differently. Some conversations, of course, were a little longer than others with the different managers. But at the end of the day, we really just rallied together and supported each other with more so the personal circumstances and empathized with all that we were going through as a whole with the workload in and of itself. And uh, that's probably where you got your nickname, Dr. Davenport, probably. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Yes. Because I truly was the person people were calling saying, what am I supposed to do by CDC guidelines? I was getting more information than I probably needed from people on themselves and their family and everything else. So yeah, I just, I went by Dr. Davenport for about a year and a half. Wow. It's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community. Get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And now back to the show. You know, thinking about the, the organizational psychology through this period, you have this core group of people that survived the storm. 
and they weathered that storm together and came out of it in one piece. So the bonds within this group would have been extremely tight. What happened through that period was a lot of new hires were coming in and they did not have that opportunity to be forged by fire like the rest of the team. How did you integrate the newcomers successfully with this group of veterans who basically fought through the, the crisis together? And it's been a couple of years since. How has that integration been with the new hires? I think it was a challenge for really probably every organization out there during the pandemic, simply because of the remote situation. Everyone's so used to forming relationships in person, and we really had to shift and, and shift into more of an intentional form of communication. And in and, and doing that, what we would do is have video calls, like people were required to have their videos on during team meetings, proactive outreach to new hires by various team members when they were onboarded, even before they were onboarded, reaching out to let them know how excited we were about them joining the firm. And then that constant communication. And as soon as we were able to get back in the office, setting up intentional time to meet with these folks in person. I distinctly remember uh, we didn't stop doing new hire orientations or anything like that. We had to do them obviously remotely, but we we started having those in person as soon as we possibly could because in order to understand Cane Water's culture, you really have to feel it. And as of today, are you guys back to the office like full time or do you have some, like a balance? Yeah, so we created through COVID this office optional approach that has really been it's been received well by our associates. I think through the pandemic, people found this balance that they had lost at one point and really have this appreciation for spending time with their family and their friends. And we didn't want to shake that because people had become accustomed to it. Habits had changed. So we, we move forward with an office optional approach to where We've got a hoteling concept within the office and associates can come in whenever they want to sit wherever they want to. Now, of course, we do have some meetings that are, are mandatory and we want people to come in in person for those. But outside of that, it, it truly is office optional. And we're finding that more often than not, people are opting to come into the office at least three days a week. Some people enjoy coming in five days a week and it's for the that social interaction and getting to know just the various departments where prior to COVID, our office setting was such that the departments were really kind of just divided within the office and you didn't get to interact as naturally as you would now. So when it comes to, to maintaining this level of interactions, is there anything that you do as chief people officer, whether it's with regard to the way that onboarding is structured or the way that their regular interactions or engagement sessions with people that help to maintain this sense of camaraderie, even though not everyone's going to be in the office all the time and there are going to be pockets of the organization that may not see each other for months on end and yet still need to work together with each other. We try to do a combination of things in that orientations are typically held once a month. For those that are unable to attend for extenuating circumstances, they can dial in. But again, in-person is really encouraged. 
a lot of the in-person interaction happens more on that team level because of how fast we're growing. It's been interesting. I've been with the firm nearly six years now. And when I started, we had roughly 130 people and we're now over 300. And with that rapid growth, people just felt like they were losing touch. Like, how are we going to keep up with all of these new people? I felt like at one point in time, I knew who everyone was. And in order to help maintain that, we've really pushed the departments to spend that time together, not only within the team format, but department format. So we have the various teams and departments come in or they have team activities that they do with each other, typically on a quarterly basis. But in addition to that, as a firm, we have an annual kickoff meeting in which everyone comes together the first half of the day and we give firm updates along with any other like activities or whatnot that we want to have. So in the past, we've had guest speakers that have presented. So we do that as well as we also host a, a family night where all of our associates can bring their immediate family. It gives everyone the opportunity to just mix and mingle. If you were to summarize all the different approaches and steps and philosophies that you've taken to be able to maintain this level of loyalty, maintain this level of belonging within the organization, what would they be? It's really been a focus on communication, really focusing on interdepartment communication. While there's a lot of work to be done on that, trying to focus on that, as well as I mentioned the transparency piece. People really feel a sense of trust when you're transparent and forthcoming with the things that are happening and the things that are actually said are actually backed up by actions. So that is one thing that I really take a lot of pride in at Kane Waters is when we put something out there, it's followed up with action and those actions are intentional. We're always trying to move the business forward. We're always trying to make it better for our clients and for our associates. And they feel that. And I really believe that that's what's contributed to the loyalty. Uh, we've got a really high associate referral rate for our hires. I would say nearly 50% of our hires come from associate referrals. That in and of itself speaks volumes for the type of culture and in workplace we provide. Awesome. So really that transparent and open communication and ensuring that you're basically walking the talk, right? So backing that communication up with solid action. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing uh, that journey with us today, Rhonda. If people wanted to connect with you to find out a little bit more about your experience in this area, what's the best way for them to do so? Sure. Yeah, I can be found on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for hanging with us today and sharing your insights and your story, Rhonda. Really appreciate your, you being on the show. And for those of you listening, thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed the show. Do leave a review in the comments and uh, look forward to the next session of the HR Impact Show where you hear uh, more stories like what Rhonda has shared with us and more learning points, creative ways of solving problems when you have to do more with less. Thank you so much for listening. My name has been CT. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. 
Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.